to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we'll start reading with verse 5. As you know, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Quite a lengthy sermon as far as uh, sermons go in the Bible, but uh, it's probably a lot longer than even what's recorded here. This is more than likely a summary of the whole thing. So, if you'll start reading with me here in verse 5 of 6. Again, this is Jesus speaking here. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. And we thank You that it is powerful. As You say, it's sharper than any two-edged sword that pierces not flesh and bones, but pierces our very soul, our hardened hearts. And so, Lord, this morning, would You do that to me? Would You start here? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you've noticed, I've been preaching on forgiveness for about... Well, this is the third week. And... uh, You know, God has definitely, people say often, a sense of humor. And uh, this is true, I've found in my own life. And in particular, I have to laugh at myself this week because uh, here I am preaching many messages on forgiveness. And I typically say concerning myself, when I think about myself, you know, I can forgive people pretty easy. (laughs) And the Lord basically corrected me and said, you know, Marshall, your problem is not forgiving people. Your problem is that you have a lot of people that need to forgive you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's a comical relief there, but uh, it's something you learn about yourself. And so I turned 31 this week, and I've had to ask two different people to forgive me. <laughs> uh, so it's been an interesting weekend. Actually, it was all over the weekend. Um, so it's not necessarily always that 
that you are holding bitterness, but a lot of times it's about going to others and being aware that they need to be uh, that they need to be forgiven in the sense of uh, that you need to be forgiven. I mean, and so anyway, I come to you this week uh, with a renewed sense of uh, the the need for forgiveness um, in my own life. Uh, in other words, I I need to seek forgiveness. So. Forgiveness is one of these things that's reciprocal, as we've been saying, and that is we give it, but also we receive it. And we receive it and we give it. Um, it's why we give it is because we have received it. And, um, and what a wonderful thing forgiveness can be. It keeps one humble, uh, even at the age of 31, when you, you ought to begin to have some things panned out and you realize you don't. Uh, so that's where I'm at this, this week. Jesus says here in the Sermon on the Mount several times uh, here concerning, and it really, this is all in the context of prayer here and specifically, but he says here several times when you pray, but then he also mentions twice here forgiveness. And really, in the Sermon on the Mount, as far as topics go, this is the only one that he repeats. So he teaches on it and then he repeats it again at the end. So pray like this, but then let me make sure you understand this. If you do not forgive people, then you won't be forgiven. It's just as plain and simple as that. But if you forgive people, then you will be forgiven. And that is tough to swallow for us. It's, it's difficult um, on many levels. And yet, truly, it may be impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. It's what we've heard today. Only those who do these things abide in God. Because truly, you will not be able to forgive other people if you do not abide in God's power. If it's your power, you will hold bitterness. If it's up to us, we'll say, who cares about that person at the bank that you was, was rude to? I don't know who we're talking about here, but I'm just saying. You see, let me point out this morning a few things that Jesus points out concerning forgiveness as we continue with this morning talking about forgive us our debts, (laughs) which is what I needed this week. Um, The first thing is this, and it's very plain in the text, and that is forgiveness is couched in prayer. So you cannot forgive if you don't pray. Now, As Christians, we must be about prayer at all times. So when you're playing softball, when you're at work working on a computer, when you have a screaming kid who is annoying uh, you to the point where you're ready to pull out your hair and his, um, this should be prayerful. So prayer is an interesting dynamic. It is the Christian life. Uh, If you want to talk about what is the Christian life, it's prayer. That's what the Christian life is. It's everything is prayer. We're breathing prayer constantly. Lord, help me in this situation. Um, Now, of course, we never use God's name in vain. But to cry out for God's help is a cry. It's a prayer. Lord, help. I need help. I remember when uh, one of the first times that death became real to me was when a young man in in my dad's church uh, was shot through the heart in a hunting accident. And the last thing he said was, God help me. And he meant it. It's not a curse. It's only a curse when you say it flippantly and not meaningful from the heart. 
when you're dying, those words are meaningful. And his last cry was to God. And it's the best cry we can have. It's the only cry we can have. And many times in our lives, we never get to the point where we have to cry out to God. And this is a problem for us. You know, children, again, are an example. And I know it's tough because I have three of them. They don't seem to be much of an example many times. But Jesus says, look, you must become like little children. And what do little children do? They cry. It's one of the most basic things they do. It's what you just heard a little moment ago. And we'll probably continue here from the back. Because Jessica's not in the room back there. And Bo loves her and likes her a lot. Um, But nonetheless, babies, they don't care where they're at. It doesn't matter if it's the President of the United States or the uh, a sovereign. It doesn't matter if they're at a business meeting. It doesn't matter if they're at a sacred assembly. If they want something bad enough, they'll cry for it. They'll wail out, yell even. And yet, we never seem to get around to doing that in prayer. We never cry out to God. The psalmist cries out to God. My goodness, if you read the psalms, you, you won't read five psalms without all of a sudden one of them, he's crying out to God, pouring out, spewing everywhere all his problems to God. Apparently, that's how we are to pray. Because the psalms are prayers. Every psalm is a prayer. And yet in my own life, I, I try to come to God all nice and neat. Not all discombobulated. Not all disoriented. You see, we come to God as we are. And many times, we're in worse shape than what we think we are in. So the first point is this. Forgiveness must be drenched in, soaked in prayer. So if you have some forgiving to do, or if you need to be forgiven, then you need to drench that whole situation in prayer. It's a very practical thing. Again, Jesus says, again for my interpreters, you ought to know this, and when you pray is said at least three times here. And when you pray, and when you pray, and when you pray. Not if you pray, but when you pray. Now Jesus doesn't emphasize and repeat Himself a lot, but He does with prayer. You see, prayer is not a side issue. Prayer is the main issue. It is how we communicate with God. Look, it's how God communicates with God. When God walked among us, what did He do? He prayed. (laughs) Why does Jesus have to pray? Because He's God and that's what God does. It's built into the very nature of who He is and the world that He made. Remember, he He created by prayer, by His Word. He sustains us with His Word, prayer. Even now, the picture in heaven we have of Jesus Christ that's been revealed to us is that He's sitting at His Father's right hand doing what? Twilling His thumbs? Dozing off? No. Praying. He's praying. Now, some of my students often look like they're praying for me, but I think they're actually dozing off. I just act like they're praying to make myself feel better. But Jesus truly is praying, and He's not dozing off. As one of the Psalms says, He never dozes off. He never sleeps. Ever awake. Ever vigilant to know what we're going through. So, the first thing is this. We've got to drench our situation in prayer. If something happens, if we know we've wronged someone, then we must go to them. Take the initiative. 
Look, I messed up. Now, someone that's a professional messer-upper like myself, I've almost got this down pat. You know, once I realize that something's happened, I just go deal with it right then. There's no need to wait. I've tried to wait before and the situation never gets resolved. So, one time with one of the youth groups I was in, there were some things said that uh, may have been inappropriate. (laughs) And... um, and so, I, you know, that night uh, I, um, I actually had, had some, had, went to them immediately. Uh, another situation of mine, it was uh, very late when the person called me and something happened. And so I needed to go ask them for forgiveness. Uh, I went to their house at like 11 o'clock at night. Of course, they were asleep. I was there the next morning at 6 because I don't, I don't, I don't play that. Homie, don't play that. I, I don't have time. I have too many situations to deal with, and so i, I got to get things taken care of. And I would submit that this is exactly what we are to do and called to do. Don't let a lot of water pass under the bridge before you take care of things. If there's a problem, deal with it. If there's, if there's a situation where you need forgiveness, you know you've messed up, just go to them. Lay your life before them. Most people really appreciate that. They don't appreciate it two years later. They appreciate it a day later. 30 minutes later. Prayer will let you know very quickly that you've done wrong. If you are in communion with God in prayer, it's tough to go and talk to God and say, Lord, I pray that you bless me today as I go. Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll deal with it. Just, but no, we're not going to deal with that later. The thing about God is His thumb, so to speak, doesn't release something until we release it. And so if there's a problem, just like when you stub your toe or bang your thumb, it seems like the rest of the whole body goes to that one point. Well, in your spiritual life, if you have an issue that needs to be resolved, everything points to that. And it won't be resolved. There won't be communion, fellowship, blessing until it's taken care of. You must forgive others. You must seek forgiveness. Forgive us of our debts. That's what I'm focused on today. I know other people need forgiveness. I know they've done you wrong. But a lot of times what we can't see is ourselves and what we've done wrong and how we've wronged others. I know it's not a popular message. Like I said, the Lord hit me between the eyeballs uh, this week. With two cases. It's a necessary message. Notice that he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Now most of us say, oh, that's the religious people. Because the Gentiles aren't the religious. No, that's that's incorrect. Everybody's religious. Even secularists religiously follow their belief systems. That's why they're called secularists. Atheists religiously follow their belief systems. Everybody's religious. Everybody has religious ideas about where we came from, why we're here, and where we're going. If you answer those three questions, those three questions are religious questions. Science, history, psychology, sociology, they can't answer them. Philosophy, they're religious questions by nature. And so if you answer them, which all worldviews do, then you're religious. So it's not talking about religious or not religious. No, don't pray not like the religious. The hypocrites are the people who want to be seen. 
So they're the ones who pray in such a way. Let me, let me form it up like this. Frame it up like this. I've been really praying for your anger problem. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks for that. I'm sure that was a genuine prayer. <laughs> Notice what Jesus says. Not pray publicly concerning these things, but what in secret? Jessica, I've really been praying for that issue of yours. That's what this is saying. Don't pray like that. Don't come to your spouse and, and say, and act like, act like you've actually been praying for them on something when in fact you're just trying to point out something. Or as what often happens in church, you know, I, I'd like to pray for this situation over here. I heard a rumor that da, 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 da. No. Pray in secret. Don't let anybody know that you're praying for I tell you, here's the hardest thing to do and also the coolest thing to do is this. If I know there's an issue that I feel like Jessica needs to address, I pray about it secretly and wait. How about that? Because if we really believe in prayer and that it works, then the Holy Spirit knows what needs to be dealt with better than I know and I can just sit back and watch the results and not have to manipulate, which is exactly what Jesus is preaching against here. Manipulation. Prayer is not used for manipulating. You see, that's the problem with the Gentiles too, that he says. He says, also don't pray like the Gentiles, who use a bunch of repetitious phrases, which they were using mantras probably. And what they do in most pagan prayers is they say the name of that God over and over again as if to invoke Him, as if He doesn't hear, or as if you can annoy Him enough to where you can get it done. Again, to manipulate Him. And what does Jesus say about the Father? Oh, you don't need to say it once. He already knows it. He already knows what the need is. Let me paint the picture of what He's talking about here. Is what often happens uh, in, in some people's prayers that I've heard before when they're trying to get something done. They want God to do something. And that is they say the name of Jesus over and over again as if that is manipulating God or there's some kind of power there that they can surpass like God doesn't want to do it and so if they say His name enough that He'll have to do it. In Jesus' name. In Je-. And they just keep... Wow. I'm thinking, hang on. Do we have to yell at God? Do we have to keep saying it enough to get around Him? No. He already knows what you need. Better than you know it. There's a lot of witchcraft and, quite frankly, manipulation of God and other people that goes on in the name of prayer. And that is not prayer. Jesus had, I mean, these are two strong correctives. I don't know if you ever noticed that or not, but that's two very strong correctives in my prayer life. Because look, when I want something done, I want it done. God. And yet, what is prayer but laying yourself before Him? Communing with Him. Not just telling Him what's going to happen, but receiving for Him what's going to happen. Alright. The second thing is this. Know your why to forgiveness. In other words, why are you doing this? You see, a lot of times in life, If you know the why, the how becomes a lot easier. So for instance, if you've got a new job or you've got a new situation or a new paper to work on or some new project that you're on and you have a passion for it, 
You'll figure out how to get it done. In other words, same thing with Jessica. If I wanted to marry Jessica, which I did, I thought, man, that's, that's a pretty hot looking little girl right there. Well, my why that I'm doing this became huge. And so the how was worked out easily. I'm going to get it done. I'll marry that old girl. Oh, she's a young girl, but... You understand my point. The how becomes very easy. We get bogged down in, well, how do I need to go about it? What do I need to say? If you care about the person, when you get there, it'll work itself out. Even if you're not good with words, say what you need to say from the heart. People understand when you're being true with them. They, we can see through each other better than we like to act like. We're actually more transparent than we actually think we are. Um, and and that, that's kind of a sad thing because normally you can read my face pretty easily and I yours. We know when we're being genuine. We know when we're bored. We know, we know when others are bored. And we know when somebody comes with a sincere apology. Goodness, we've seen enough false ones on television from politicians that we ought to know now what it looks like to be truthful or not. They seem to be great examples of that. You see, we must understand that we have been forgiven. That's our why. Why are we doing this? Not because that person deserves it. It has nothing to do with that. Because quite frankly, some people don't deserve it in our minds. I mean, you you think about the Gestapo. You think about the Nazis. You think about mass murderers. There's been terrible people. They don't need to be forgiven based on who they are. My goodness, we, quite frankly, if, you, if, if that were the case, none of us would need to be forgiven. It's not based on who we are or who they are. That's not what, you don't say, oh yeah, I need to go forgive that person because I really like them. Because Jesus corrects that real quick and says, forgive your enemies. <laughs> not just people you like. Not just people you're acquainted with. You see, the reason why is because we've been forgiven. Marshall deserved hell. That was my sentence. That's what I should have gotten because of what I did in this life. Because of what I've done in this life. And yet, God forgave me. Thank God He forgave me. Praise the Lord. I mean, I had all that stuff wiped away, erased, painted over and forgotten. God chooses to forget it. Chooses not to hold it against us. And so that is our why. Not the other, it has nothing to do with that other person in, in, that, in that kind of sense. Not based on them at all. The why is God. He forgave you, therefore you forgive. You've been give, forgiven a great debt. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. <clears throat> the little details from there on out will work themselves out. Every situation is different. The Bible doesn't get real specific on minutes because the why is the heart is more important than the how. If your heart is truly for that person. If your heart is truly for God, passionate about God and what He's done for you, 
then you'll be willing to forgive. Then you'll have the power to forgive. It is a gift that has been entrusted to you and given to you, and it's a gift that must be given. You could say it's like milk. You say, man, I love this milk. And I think I'm just going to keep it in my refrigerator because I like it so much. What's going to happen to it? It's going to spoil. It's going to go bad. You're going to pull it out and your nice milk is going to be gone. It must be used. Forgiveness is a gift that if it sits in us and we just try to take it alone, just receiving it, it's not good enough. You must use it. Drink it up. And so, ultimately, our why comes to one person, and that is Jesus Christ and what He did for us on the cross. What we just went through with Lent, His sacrifice. Hasn't He proven Himself trustworthy? I mean, haven't you made that path to His throne over and over again asking Him to forgive you of this or of that? As Dr. Dallas, some of you know him, Dr. Dallas Baggett used to say, uh, that path to the throne is worn out because I've taken it so long, many times. I've messed up that many times. But that's okay. <laughs> Here comes old Marshall. You know, it's like he bumps his father. Here comes old Marshall again. Well, that's all right. We'll help him again. He then got himself in a, in a pickle. We'll help him get out. God is here for us. He wants us to come to Him. We cannot forgive on our own. It will not happen. It won't get done. You can just say to people, ah, that doesn't really matter. Or you can build character and testimony by saying, you know what, I messed up. I popped off. I got an attitude. And I'm sorry. It's okay. You already know you got the attitude. Who else are you trying to fool? Why try to fool other people? They do too. You saw, your, you saw their face when you left. Yeah. We can build the character of Christ into people if we're truthful. Truthful with ourselves, truthful with God, truthful with other people. God is a God of truth. Isn't He the truth? He is. You see, many of my prayers have been for so long, Lord, help me to do this and give me the strength to do this and give me and help me and help... But instead, what if we prayed like this? Lord, I receive this. I receive your forgiveness. Not give me the ability to do it, but help me do it in your ability. I don't even want myself in the bed. I just receive it. I receive that you have forgiven me. This is the problem many times with, with even forgiving ourselves is that we don't believe it. We don't want to receive it. Lord, help me to do this. Help me. But it's all me still focused. I receive it. It's already done, folks. Didn't he say on the cross, it is finished? That means it's finished. It's done. We just need to fall back on Him. 
Stop trying to do it in our power. Even when sometimes when I'm praying, Lord, help me do this, I still mean I want to do it. I want to get the glory. I want to be seen as the one who had the strength to do this. Rather than saying, Lord, I receive this from You. I know that You have healed me. I know that You have uh, given me the strength I need. I know that You've forgiven me. I know that You can help in this situation. And that's what I receive. I receive whatever it is You want to give to me. I'm not trying to filter what comes from God in that sense, but instead receive whatever it is He's got to give me. That's a scary place to be. But in the same sense, it's not because, just as our reading today said, He's the good shepherd. He's not a shepherd that's just on hire. He's not going to forget about us or leave us when the time comes for trouble. He's going to be there because He lays down His life for the sheep. It's why He did it. It's how we know that He loves us. In Romans, in chapter 13, Paul says this, when he's trying to exhort them to live a certain way, live the Christian life. He says in 13 and 8, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Forgive us our debts. Don't owe anybody any debt but love. There shouldn't be people hanging out here that you know you need to get that taken care of. Owe them nothing but love. Because love fulfills all of the Bible. That's what he means by the law. All of this is fulfilled if we love another person. The only way we're going to be able to do that is to be in love in God Himself because God truly is love. It's not just something He does. not just something He hands out to a couple people here and there. He, He is love itself. It only comes from Him. So let me end with this. As I was planting a new flower bed on the side of my house, which I think looks pretty good. Um, I really got angry with the soil that we have there because it's, they call it limestone for a reason because there's a lot of it in the ground, especially where I live because it, my house was built on a swamp. So we're down at table water level. Um, so I just get down there and it's just clay. And I'm thinking, this, this, is, a, this is the dumbest soil Stupidest soil that I've ever seen in my life. It has, it's worthless, quite frankly, for planting something uh, as delicate as a flower, which is why I only have weeds that grow in my yard. They're the only tough things that can grow. Um, and as I was thinking there, the Lord just spoke to me, you know, <laughs> as, I was, as I was praying and, and working, uh, and basically said to me, yeah, this you don't you don't like this soul? <laughs> I was like, nope, I don't. He said, that's what your heart's like, man. A lot of times for me, I'm sitting here trying to drudge through all this stuff with you. I'm trying to plant something delicate in your life, my spirit, and all I get is hardness. All I get is a bunch of weeds and roots and clay and mud. 
But what I want to do is I want to till that up. I want to lay down some nice topsoil in your life. Premium feed. Premium soil, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the premium of God. If fertilizer is a premium for grass, for our life, the premium is the Holy Spirit. When He lays the Holy Spirit in our life, but He first must till up our heart. That's a tough process. He, God's got a lot of calluses on His hands, trust me, from working with my soil, my soul, if you will. He's got a lot of calluses. But He keeps going. He keeps working. He's patient with me. Very patient with me. Just like my helper is. The people that are close with me know that they have to be very patient with me at times. And He is. And I thank Him for that. Many of our souls are just like that. Cluttered with a bunch of junk, clay, mud, weeds, roots. He wants to come and clean us up. Clean us up so that we can be fruitful. So we can place something delicate in our life called love. That is stronger than death. Love is stronger than death. He's faithful to work in your life. And He's still working on me to make me what I really ought to be. You know the rest. This morning, would you be willing to say that there's a somebody in your life this week that needs forgiveness? I mean, I want you to think of them now. I want you to go to them this week. I want you to practice what the Bible preaches. Don't just let it sit. It'll spoil. Instead, use it up. Even if it's something little. You popped an attitude with that coworker. You were short with them that day. Go to them and say, Look, I'm, I'm sorry if this happened. Because I never meant for it to. <laughs> uh, you see, I'm a professional like I told you. you know, in, in my mind, a lot of times, I'm doing one thing, but it comes out differently. And so that's why I have to clean up the mess, or just guys to clean up the mess afterward. You know, I'm like a bull in a china shop. I'm trying to reach for that one glass, and I got things breaking everywhere. Um, but is there somebody in your life that needs forgiveness? Is there somebody that you need to go to because you need forgiveness? Don't owe anyone anything but love. Live by that creed this week. And the only way you'll do it is to live in the Spirit. Amen.